Love for you, love for you is what I love for. Love for you is what I need. I love for you. Love for you, love for you is what you are. For the couple. Heavenly Father, it is so precious and wonderful to be able to gather in your name. To know that you tell us to come as we are. Come to you broken. Come to you in needing of healing. Come to you full of love. Whatever state our hearts, our minds, our bodies may be in in this moment, the emotional, physical, spiritual, toil or jubilee, whatever it is we are feeling inside, you know it, you understand it, and you love us. You love us in our brokenness. Not that you desire us to stay there, but you love us because that is who you are. You are love, Father. And oh, do we need that love now. As we sing, as we learn about you, we pray that you would take our hearts, capture our minds, focus us solely on you. Whatever it is that we felt coming into this space today, if we have burdens, we pray that we would cast them on you. Cast them at your feet to feel the peace that can only come from you, the peace that goes beyond all understanding. Would that fall fresh on all of our hearts tonight? For those of us who are encouraged and joyous to be here, we pray that you would strengthen them all the more. Use them as a light for the entire fellowship and congregation gathered here tonight, that we would all be encouraged that we would all live in this moment knowing that you are pouring yourself out upon us through your spirit, which is all around us, your spirit that intercedes for us in prayer, your spirit, the one that convicts us, the one that teaches us, admonishes us, and yet the one that comforts us all the more. It is that spirit that spirit that we need. Help us to stare into your face tonight. Help us to see you, Father. See you like we've never seen you before. See you with fresh eyes and a clean heart. That we would look upon your throne of grace with confidence, knowing that our Lord, our Savior, who died on the cross for us, is not angry with us. But he loves us. And he cares for us to help us now, Father, to learn about you, to stay focused, to seek the kingdom first in all its righteousness, and to allow your peace to fall fresh on all of our hearts tonight. So we lift these things up to you in your son, Jesus Christ, holy and precious name we pray. Amen.
praise praise God, you guys are here. But but I want us to as as we kind of walk through this again. I just got two big points, but th- that that greater context is very important that we understand um, those big heart questions. Um, you know, is 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 the kingdom really going to last? Um, is God everything He said He was? I'm living in a world of such darkness and brokenness. You ever been to a place where you just feel like everywhere you look, it's so bad. You just, you just can't think of, how does this get, that's despair. That's this book. And it's not surprising to me. This is why books like Lamentations is not often, not often talked about, studied, or thought about. Because why? We're all scared of grief. We don't like it. It's scary. It's spooky. It's messy. We don't like it when people vomit depression. We're afraid of it. So we live in a world where this is a real reality. Lamentation is such a good book because it's real life. But as Christians, we're not to live in denial. Everything's going to be all, all right. It's all good. Just be positive. But we're not also to fast track through pain and just get straight to the promises of God. Lamentations is a lovely book because it gives us language and space to like feel junk. Right? There's a place and space to be miserable. But there's a biblical way to process all that pain. Lamentations is the language that we take as believers who are in pain. And we know the sovereign God is is true. We, We believe that God is good all the time and all the time God is good. But right now, today, I don't feel good. You know what's crazy? Is your Bible gives you permission to express that pain. You ever wonder why the book of Job is so long? The author's trying to give us pictures. Like, that's just life. Sometimes that season of pain and grief lasts long. So we're going to just do chapter one. And I so badly want to race to chapter three. But I think that would be wrong, especially in light of what I think the Spirit is trying to lead me to teach tonight. In that there's a place and a space to be broken. That's so why the title of my message, I have broken over brokenness. Sometimes it's good for your soul to feel the sting of sin and let it linger for a bit. Verses like chapter 3 will lose all of its power and wonder and glory unless chapters 1 and 2 doesn't have its place. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ will never be great and glorious to you unless the bad news of our sin and depravity is really thought about and reflected on. I'm not going to go verse by verse, word by word, but two big things I want us to see tonight. And we're going to take the book, chapter one, and cut it in half from verse one to verse 15. I hope for us to see the curse of sin. That's what I believe Jeremiah is seeing. See the curse of sin. Like, see it. The second half of chapter one from verse 16 to the end is be broken over the brokenness. See the curse of sin and then be broken 
over the brokenness. God, help us as we look through this beautiful poetry right now. And even if it's short, like the verse, the wages of sin is death. That's a short verse. But don't let the brevity of it lose its punch. Don't let us just race through chapter one and two to get to chapter three. But help us to see your word. To see it, to see how this totally relates to our day and age. And I believe it does very much relate to the souls in this place tonight. We pray that the glory of Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21 to 23, the gravitas of that powerful, rightly themed verse for this whole book would have its full punch because we are now going to take time to feel and experience the fullness of chapter 1. Lead us, we pray. Amen. How lonely sits the city. Just going to walk through and make observations. Like, right? You see that. So poetry, just paint a picture, right? Loneliness, desolate, isolation. Come on, this is already relatable, right? Who has never felt lonely before? Was full, now not. There used to be, now there isn't. It used to be an active city thriving now it's empty it's a ghost town like a widow i don't know if you've grieved with a widow do you know the pain of what it is to embrace a widow as she stands over the 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 body of her husband i know what it's like to do that it's a painful thing these are word pictures that the author wants us to feel it That's great grief. Was great. Was a princess. Khalil brought that observation up already. It went from bad to worse and then worse. Dwell among the nations. Finds no rest. Just wandering in the world. No peace. Overtaken in the midst of distress. Just defeated. Roads to Zion. No festivals. Desolate gates. That's meaning there's no spiritual life. No one's on the road to Zion. Nobody shows up at the festivals. Nobody's, where's the priest? Nobody worships Yahweh anymore. Not just physically dead, but spiritually dead. You ever been there? You feel that? Virgins, afflicted, suffer bitterly, being gloated over, mocked over. Just This is a big word picture of just shame and distress. Now, these are big things to to key in on because the Lord afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. That's huge, guys. We got to see that. All this graphic imagery of junkness because of transgressions, because Jerusalem sinned grievously. Verse 5, verse 8, verse 14. You see how he sprinkles that out? He wants to make it clear. He's painting these graphic pictures. Each picture alone, if you just stop and think about it, is enough to make you very, very sad. Children gone away, fruitless life. All the majesty departed, use ugly now. Despised, naked, people turn their face away. Her fall is terrible. And five times said in this chapter alone, no one to comfort. You see what the author's trying to do? Hit that, just paint this huge, disastrous picture. 
This is horrific. You ever been at the lowest place of your life and you feel totally alone, like there's no one that gets you, no one to comfort you? People will say, I get it. I'm there. I'm with you. But in your inner hearts, you feel, I got nobody to comfort. Nobody understands. This is in the Bible. There's space and place to express that. No thought for a future. You know what that means? No hope. You know, as a pastor who spends time with people, it's, it's, it's so, it's, I think one of the, the hardest parts and maybe not even as a pastor, because I know you guys spend time with people, but right. Isn't it one of the most heart-wrenching things when you're sitting with someone and you look across the table and you look in their eyes and there's like no hope. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do. Right there, you just see darkness and death. Doesn't that suck? Brothers, sisters, we have to feel that this is the curse of sin. Why does Jeremiah or whoever the author is have to belabor and be so graphic and write five poems? You guys ever wrote a poem before? Raise your hand if you wrote a poem. Keep it up if it wasn't for school. Wow. And, and did you write that poem just to express yourself? Praise God, because that's cool, because I don't know if, if we've tapped into such an enjoyment or a practice with God. This is all built up in the heart and soul of God's people and Jeremiah, and it needs to come out. It needs to come out. How many times have we had the opportunity to bear our heart, rend your heart, not your garment, like bring it out, a broken and contrite heart. Psalm 51, God says, I don't despise that. You know why? We lack faith. Or we don't think he wants to hear it because nobody else wants to hear it. Your God is great, church. You have a great, we have a great and mighty God. We have a man of sorrows who's acquainted with grief. But it's not, it's not hard to see the point here. Guys, this is the curse of sin. But we live in a time that's so sitcom saturated that when we see sin, we laugh. We chuckle at it. We make light. Ha 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 ha. Pornography. Ha 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 ha. Gossip. Ha 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 ha. Cheating, lying, stealing. We don't see that this sin is actually a wretched curse. It's devastating. It destroys whole lives and households and marriages and families and cities. The world. If there's a bit of a sting and if it's a little uncomfortable right now, then I want to let it linger a little bit more. Stop telling ourselves lives or believing the, the spirit of the age, the, the message that the world is sending to us, the, the culture, the glamour companies, the, all the fashion-seeking 
you know, all these businesses that try to make us think that, you know, sin is, I mean, death is not really that it, it's not going to happen or, you know, it's not that bad. The state we're in is not that bad. It's just this. It's just that sin gets coddled and made cute. And this is the thing when it's in your life and my life, we don't take it seriously because we live in a culture that doesn't take sin seriously. You gotta see if, if you and I went to the doctor and the doctor checked you up and they, they said, sir, ma'am, you have cancer. And in the same breath, they made a joke about it. You have terminal cancer and <laughs> but who does it or something like that. You would think you're the worst doctor in the world, right? But, oh, I think we do the same when it comes to sin against God. The wages of sin is death. As a child, when I memorized that, I liked that verse because it was so short and so easy. But, oh, I wish that as a child, I let the simplicity of that verse hit me hard. The wage, the deserving, the earning of my transgression is the reason the world is broken. It's why one day I am going to perish and die. It's why one day you will breathe your last. It is coming. It's inevitable. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all fall short. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We're all a part of this curse. The question is that I just want to present devotionally tonight is do we see it like this author? Because he sees this and he hates it. It hurts him. God needs to supernaturally give us eyes to see the curse of sin. Psalm 51, the, David says, I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned. I know my sin ever before me. In other words, he's saying, I see it. I see it. I see it. See, in our instinct, where we see it and we want to deny it or hide it or run from it or think it's not real. No, church. Lamentations is the Bible to help us see, no, look at this. Look at how bad it gets. See the curse of sin. That's the first point. Second point and closing. From verse 16 to the end, I just want to highlight things that he says. For these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears. I weep. Baka. It's a word of wail. It's a word of convulsion. You're in so much sorrow. Your body does something. You can't control it. Here's a question. Have we ever been so broken over our sin that we wept? How about this? Over the brokenness of others' brokenness that you wept 
Why? Why do we not weep? Because we don't see the curse of sin. Here's a thought that I had. The shortest, one of the shortest verses in the Bible. I'm all about short verses. You can see that I memorized all the short verses growing up. John 11, Jesus. Uh, see, you guys know him too? All right. But Jesus, what? Think about that. That was who? Lazarus, right? Jesus knew he's going to raise him from the dead. Why are you going to cry? Because Jesus is an amazing Savior filled with compassion. And he breaks over the brokenness and the result of sin. He was weeping for the loss of Lazarus and the family experiencing that grief. Why did Jesus got to weep? He was going to raise him. Here's another thought. He knew he was going to rise from the grave. But oh, our Lord Jesus is so awesome. He sympathizes with us in our weakness. He decides to come from heaven to earth in the form of a babe and grow up and be acquainted with all of our junk. I love Jesus. I love that he's a man of sorrows. I love that he's all about the brokenhearted. Because I'm a broken person. And I live in a broken world. Church, guys, we will be such better ministers of the gospel. If we get that in our heart. Don't just go and blast them, God, man, Christ responds and trust in Jesus and he'll save the day. The dude or the woman is broken in the result of the curse of sin. Just break with them. Just weep. Just be there and hurt and open your eyes. Ask God, open my eyes to seeing that this person is really in need. We're going to get to chapter three. But sometimes you just need chapters one. These things I weep, my eyes flow with tears, comforts far, revive my spirit. And again, he says it again and again, the Lord is right, I have rebelled. But here's the point, be broken over brokenness. And church, you cannot manufacture that. I tried when I was a kid. I tried to force tears when we sang worship songs because I thought that that was the cool thing to do. Other people are crying. I ain't crying. How come I'm not crying and being all emotional? And you try to force it. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. Joel chapter 2, verse 13 says, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garment. Lamentations is not about an external thing. It's an internal break, brokenness. That happens when you see God for who he is and you realize what you've done. This is the same idea when Peter was preaching at Pentecost. Remember that when we studied Acts in chapter 2 towards the end? They heard this. They heard the message. They heard that they crucified Christ. They were cut to the heart. What shall we do? Brokenness over the broken. I'll just shell out some verses. Mark chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. He's reclining at the table in his house. Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. There were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was, he was eating with sinners and 
tax collectors and said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus heard and he said to them, well, those who are well have no need of a physician. It's those who are sick. I came to call not the righteous, but the sinners, the broken people. Unless you are broken this evening, you got no shot of being fixed. You see how important this is. Chapter three will not hit your heart the way it's meant to. Unless chapters one and two become a reality for you. You got to hate your sin. You got to hate it. Romans 12, 9, abhor evil. Psalm 97, hate evil. We love John 3, 16, but what about 3, 19? People love darkness rather than light because their ways are evil. You know why you and I struggle or are unable to truly be broken over the sinfulness of man is because we're not fully broken over our sin. Sin's not a problem to us. We love our sin. We like it. So it's funny to sitcom it. It's funny to make a sitcom about marriage and treat the marriage bed like it's whatever. Ha ha. We take things that are holy and we make them common. And when it becomes a culture, you preach the gospel in that culture, no one's going to repent. No one's going to be broken. No one's hard. Whatever. We need to come back. And ask the Lord for a fresh anointing over our eyes, over our hearts, to see the the devastating, disgusting wretchedness of sin and what it's doing to us in our lives and our world. You got to hate what it's doing to your family. Do you hate it? You know you can hate it. You know you can pray it and have language now. I'm, I'm hoping you're seeing it now. You can go to work and see all the corruption at work and be broken about that. You can turn on the news, be broken. Come to church, talk to someone, you see them hanging their head, you ask them, how's it going? And they start to confess stuff that's going on and boom, you're broken. Why? Because we all hate sin. We hate what it does. It makes us rebels under the wrath of God and judgment is coming and it separates us from the very one we need. Do you hate cancer more than sin? If I told you you had cancer, And then I told you you're in sin. Which one would scare you more? Oh, that's a question. That'll show you really quick what you care about. Your soul or this life. I wake up in the morning. I look at my children. And as cute and adorable they are. If they don't know Christ. They're going to be in a world of brokenness with no hope in a world of pain that will last for eternity for them because they are under the curse of sin. Oh, our prayer meetings are so stale. We don't know lament. We only know how to cry. Lament is is different than crying. Because, see, Lamentations is a beautiful book because we know how it ends. We don't just say, boo-hoo, this sucks. We say, boo-hoo, this sucks. But then we get to chapter 3. We'll get there. Let's stay in chapter 1. Oh, chapter 3 is so good, though. But you see, this is what happens when you stay in chapter 1. And then, oh, you got a message to bring to people, right? Then Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 comes to life. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law 
by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree. Oh, this curse of sin. This sting of death. Jesus Christ conquered it all. But we won't preach like that until we're first broken by the brokenness. I'm going to leave us with this and let it linger. Because he's calling us to be a a broken people. We're going to get our instruction from Uncle James. Chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And then he says this in command form, be wretched. This is not about being gothic and dark, okay, guys? This is about being broken over your sin and the true reality. Be wretched and mourn. Weep. Let laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Here's the application. Be serious about your sin. Be serious about it. Take it serious. I love you guys. I know that we're battling all the sin that we all struggle with. But oh gosh, we let ourselves off the hook so fast and so easy. We're so quick to say grace, grace, grace. You know, I love grace. Be serious about your sin and be serious about grace. But being serious about grace is not, oh, I did all this, uh, but thanks be to God for the grace of Jesus. That's like Romans 5 and 6 where he's like, oh, you know, we're sin abound, grace abounds all the more. So he goes, but don't think that, oh, just go keep sinning then because, you know, grace. That's not taking grace seriously. Taking grace seriously is Titus. The grace of God trains us to renounce ungodliness. But here's the the message for tonight, and we'll pause here. We'll get into chapter 2, and then we'll get into chapter 3. But here's the call, the encouragement for us tonight. We must, we must, we must. We must, we must, we must. Because sin is so serious. Be serious about it. Be serious about your sin, and be dead serious about grace. Be broken. And I guarantee this, we, like the prophet, we will weep, and we will break. And you and I, and here in this place, we're going to learn how to process all the junk days together. I love seeing you guys on days when you're, you know, you walk in the room, how's your day going? It's great, man. But that's not every day, right? Come on. That's once in a blue. Most times, even though we look like this, it's like, if you were really expressing your inside, you'd be like, how you doing, cuz? That's typically, but that's why lamentations is so beautiful. This is life. So be serious about your sin. See the curse of sin. Be broken. But be big time serious about the grace of God. Guys, we Christians, we know the end of the story. We know that lamentation, prayer of lamentation is going to cease one day. There will be a day where there will be no such, no such thing. But until God gets us there, until we cross over the river together, and I'll see you guys for eternity and glory, we are living in days that are junk. We're broken people in a broken world. We need to learn how to process this brokenness together. Lamentations is taking us there. All right? I'll pray for us. 
as we fellowship this evening, you know, let it sit. Weigh it out. But I strongly urge you, here's the place, now's the time to be broken together. Tonight is a night of weeping. It's okay to cry at church. You know, when you think to yourself, you're on your way, or you're struggling whether to come church or not, and you think, I feel junk today, so I'm not going to go. Wrong. Those are the days you want to race to church. Because that's the place and space where we're supposed to hurt together. We're supposed to bear each other's burdens. If this was a place and space where you're supposed to bring your best, then yeah, if you have a bad day, stay home. Because you'll, you'll stick out and you'll be awkward. But that's the opposite. This is a place where we're having a hard time. I had a hard day today. But I was so looking forward to just seeing a believer. But the second I walked through the door, the first Christian I saw, I could feel my strength rising. Because I know in my heart and my mind that this is a place of broken people. We don't have all the solutions and the answers. But we know who is the solution and the answer. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for Bible study. Thank you so much for giving us a book like Lamentations. It really is the vegetables in the meal. We don't often like to eat it. It doesn't taste the best, but little did we know that it's actually so important for our soul. It's so important for our health. I think in this place, it'll do many, myself included. It'll do us good to be broken. And to express that. Father, whether it comes out in poetry or prayer or groans or sharing, let New Uwanu Baptist Church be a place and a space where people like us can come and embrace and face the most painful circumstances in life. Chapter one hit all of us somewhere. We all know what loneliness feels like or loss or pain or regret or shame, failure, fruitlessness. We all know glimmers of that. So please, let's do it together. Cultivate that in our church, God. Let it be a place where it's easy to find a shoulder to cry on. But oh, that as we weep well and mourn, that it always go, finally find its result in looking towards the promises of God, anchoring our souls into what we know to be true, even though we don't feel it. Let this be a place where we can suffer well like that together. I know that in this place, there's many who have suffered and gone through some heavy things. Thank you for seeing them through. We pray that we can all learn lament from one another in real time, in real life. We love you, Lord. Take us now through the rest of this book by your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.